like starting. I'm trying to remember how to do this. <laughs> That's it. I pressed the button. Okay, hello. We are. Uh, it is a script ramble. It is without Matthew, who is in Bristol setting up his uh, uh, production company called Watford and Essex, which are on Twitter. If you want to see what they're doing, I think they've got about ten projects on the go. Um, so instead of Matthew, I have uh, Dr. Neil Fox. Not that Dr. Neil Fox. Are you no. sick of that? It's, it doesn't happen as much now. <laughs> it's it it's fading to, now, isn't it? it yes. It's fading now. I still get a few tweets where I'm copied in as if <laughs> just on a radio show. Yes. Um, it's not not radio. No, uh, and I did once. Fox. I did once. I used to DJ, and uh, I stood in for someone who in a in a bar in London. I stood in for a friend, and he said, "Will you stand in?" I said, "Yeah, but don't obviously don't use my DJ name, which was Dr. Gonzo." After, <laughs> but they 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 billed me as Dr. Neil Fox, and literally two hen parties were there, very very unhappy that I was playing kind of <laughs> 60s psych garage and yeah Frank Sinatra B sides. Um, Not Jive Bunny as they were. No Jive Bunny. Yeah. It was. It was they were disappointed. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a tense night. Doctor Gonzo is clearly the best Muppet. I'm assuming it was after the part Muppet, part Huntress Thompson. Well, of course, so yeah. The, the blend yeah. of the two. Bit of both. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just to explain, uh, my right ear has been completely blocked. <laughs> I think it's important to put these things in the podcast. So, if I'm, at any point, I'm either shouting or going, "What? Speak up!" I haven't become 80 years old. Uh, I've just got a weird blocked right here. We've also got a dog with us. We've got Bailey, who's a film star, who we'll talk about in a minute. Indeed. I didn't recognise him in real life, somehow. He's a, he's a little older now, and uh, there was a heavy makeup job in the film. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Yes, but you're playing an Afghan hound, weren't you? He was. I'll get a photo of him. He's playing a female dog. Oh, yeah, um, of course. You know, I thought, I'd, I thought he would be cancelled because he's not female he's, and was playing female, but so far he's under the radar. He's done well. I know. He's, 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 you know, he's a. He can adapt to the role, I think, which is very cool. Yeah, so um, we were talking. So first of all, Neil uh, is is not the radio Neil Fox, but you are cinematologist. I knew I was going to say this wrong. Cinematologist. Yes. Yes. I am a cinematologist. A cinematologist is uh, Mark Kermode's favourite podcast. Yes. Until you heard this one and then it became his favourite. But no, it is his favourite podcast, which is very cool. Uh, so, that's so you do that with Dario. I do. Who I believe. I don't, what is his surname? Linares. Oh, okay, Linares. Yeah. Yes. So uh, double L. Dario. Uh, yes. Two L's, which is what, yeah. And he's not Welsh, so it's it's sort of it stumps people. <laughs> Throughs. Uh, Linares. Yeah. So uh, so that's your podcast where you talk about film. So uh, you are a film academic. Yes. So together we're kind of key workers, but more important than that. I exactly. Think. Yeah. Above. We, that's why we haven't been mentioned because we're we're, <laughs> we're so high in the pecking order. You know, I mean, nurses are great and they do stuff, but, you know, obviously, film academics and people who write preschool animation, they're going to really up there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's important that someone's on a Zoom call talking about <laughs> Tarkovsky. Exactly, yeah, so. that's from good. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but you were talking specifically about well, the process of actually making a film, because your feature that you wrote is coming out uh, April 5th. That's right. Just after my birthday. It's very thoughtful. I did ask them to put it back. Just Yeah, just hold it back a little bit. Yes, yeah, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that, the process, really, of making a... Is it a micro-feature? It is a micro-budget feature. Micro-budget yes. feature, not a micro-feature. It sounds like about two minutes long. It's a, <laughs> it is a proper, it's a proper film. That's what, that's what I keep telling my mum and dad. It is a proper film. <laughs> it's a proper <laughs> film, for God's sake. Yeah. But, I th- yeah, it's just interesting to kind of talk about that process. Also, going from... Well, you know, you are still film academic. Yeah. Um, and how you go from that world of, of kind of being a critic... Is, it, you, is that count as a critic? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the podcast is criticism, and, and I yeah. do write criticism as well. Um, yeah, so my, my life has been a kind of a movement between pr- filmmaking, film criticism, and then latterly academia, which sort of sits in the middle. Yeah. So it is a, I do wear many hats. Poacher, gamekeeper, game between the two, sort yes, of thing. Sometimes the game. <laughs> so we're just waiting for a little scratch. Bailey there, having a nice time. Oh. And normally at this point, this is the flushing walk. This is the flushing is a Milo and back again walk. Normally I've said hello to about five dog walkers, but it's actually quite quiet. Which is good because Bailey is not the friendliest dog. Is he, dogs. Is he nervy? Discovered. It's not his actor diva nature, it's more just a puppyhood trauma. Oh, I'll bless him. him so. Oh my lord. But uh, he's a lovely boy. He's a, he doesn't look so lovely. We'll get a photo later. He seems very cool. Um, yeah, so. I mean, what do you want to talk about first? He said unprofessionally. I should be, I should be steering it, really, but I think sometimes... Well, about... I mean, yeah, you, when we sort of said about this, you, you said about 
you don't know anything about independent filmmaking. Well, no, I know nothing about actually making a film. So my limited experience of features is I've been a very tiny cog in a very big process. Uh, and I sort of, I bimbled in about halfway through the project. So this was working on um, uh, Farmageddon, which is the Shaun the Sheep movie, um, which, you know, it's not a blockbuster, but there's a lot of money and a lot of people, a lot of hours involved. Yeah. And you're very aware that you're kind of coming in and mucking about with stuff and you've got to fit in amongst everyone else. So the idea of actually, really, all right. So the mountain biking there. Um, the idea of doing a thing almost from scratch is kind of fascinating and, and almost terrifying as well. Yeah. So what you've done, a, you did a short beforehand. Is that your first kind of writing? Did you you produce and did you write that as well? Yes. Okay. So that the, the, there was one on with the same company. It was weird. So for years I made shorts. Uh, as a writer, producer, never really wanted to be a producer, always, you know, wanted someone to do that work and collaborated a few times with people but never found anyone really who kind of got what we did and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it, so kind of ended up always producing ourselves and uh, that carried through. Um, and then after about 10 years of, of doing that and doing other things, we just basically changed the name of the company and changed the types of films we wanted to make. So, matured into this and then we made one short in 2010 called It's Natural to be Afraid which I wrote and produced and then uh, that was the last thing we did together to Wilderness um, but uh, I made films with Justin uh, John Doherty as director and sort of co-producer and we've been doing that since 2001 so yeah, for a while. So how many shorts have you written altogether? Well, how many have I written? Yeah, loads. Loads. Um, oh. Probably written about 10 and made about 6. Oh okay Ooh, that's yeah. fantastic. Probably about, yeah, probably about 12, yeah, made about, written about 12, made about 6, I think. So was this before or during you becoming an academic, basically? All around, really. So, I mean, the shorts were all before I did a doctorate and then moved into sort of working in a university. Prior to that, it was all indie, uh, based in Luton, where I'm from, ran a film festival, did comedy, did a comedy sketch show, which we took to Edinburgh, mm. wrote plays ran a space for artists and sort of made a living doing film education projects in the town and in the county and uh, yeah then 2008 all the money went out of that I had no employable skills so I thought well I'll go back into education and worked in FE and then my doctorate was in film education and how universities teach film so I sort of came out of that interested in the university as a space for making films more than sort of you know teaching and bringing in people and you know what, what could actually be done to make films yeah and uh yeah then uh when i when i when i started at falmouth university teaching finished my doctorate and my, my boss kingsley said you know what should we be doing and i said well you we should be making feature films yeah and he said, how would that work? And I said, well, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Details. Yeah. But, about that. you know, I sort of gave him a, a rough plan and sort of said, like, you know, we could fund it. We could put predominantly student crew on it, make it as a kind of micro budget guerrilla feature and see what happens, you know. But, but make, make our own films rather than work, rather than just work. Because obviously the, the uni's got a good, rep, sort of long, longer reputation of supporting regional features and putting students on them and but, but kind of be a bit more all-encompassing as a, as a production company kind of yeah and uh, yeah he said great do that um, when can you do it and I was like okay well <laughs> my bluff has been called exactly yeah I mean, never really expecting someone to say sure um, yeah here's some money kind of go and do it and then the I said well I think we could do it next April this was September 2015 and I said well we could do it Easter break you know we could shoot it in two weeks because it always shot fast, because indie films are, even shorts are generally shot fast, because yeah. there's never any money. Um, we shoot at Easter break, because the students will be here, you know, um, sort of a good two week run at it. Um, I think it would probably cost about this, and then the budget changed slightly when we, we confirmed, and he was like, okay, yep, yeah, go and do that. So I phoned Justin and said, just got some money to make a feature film in April, here in Cornwall, um, we're gonna make a film, and then, the projects that we had 
that I'd written because I had written some features that we thought might be the first feature we made were all way too expensive and far too elaborate. So yeah. it became a process of thinking, I actually need to write something, which is kind of how I worked on a lot on the shorts, you know? Yeah. We would be like, we've got this amount of time, we've saved up this amount of money, what do we want to do? What can we do? Who do we know? You know, and we've always sort of written to the conditions, which I think is a big part of indie film is, you know, it's... It's a bit adapt and survive, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah it is. It is, you know, I really want to make something and I want to be in control of the process. So, you know, what are the parameters that I'm working within? So that was it really, that was the practical, the practical sort of frame of it was this much money, this many days. Um, go and write it. So then that's when it, so I started writing it in the September, first draft in January, very, very quick drafts. And then we were in production in April. So it was a very, very fast turnaround. So how much um, rewriting did you have to do for budget? Because you had that all in mind at the beginning, were you pretty much there? Was it something you first, not first draft necessarily, but was it something you could just crack on and shoot? Yeah. Once so, you've written it, yeah. And it was very much written with the budget in mind, as loosely as possible. But, but thinking, okay, realistically, if we've got 14 days to shoot, how many characters can we realistically get away with? How many locations can we realistically get away with? How many actors can you afford? Exactly, yeah, because you know, that's a lot of days. Um, so then the fun and the challenge is, is trying to work out. Hello, Hello you Hi, right? all right. Hi, Hi. Yeah, the fun and the challenge is well, what can we do that's not just. We didn't ever want to do two people in a room. Um, you know, which is which is a kind of a, an indie staple. Yeah. Um, and you know, for, for for good reason. But uh, yeah, so that's when yeah, kind of we thought about what the story might want to be, and I'd read a short story that the central theme had kind of interested me of uh, of a couple who who go away in love on a weekend, and it just just goes to shit, you know. <laughs> yes. What's um. I want to say, I never get kids with strap lines and taglines. Is it the strap line What's on, on, on the poster? Is yeah, the tagline? I always call it tagline. I get really confused, yeah. There's a log line, which is a bit longer. Yes. But then there's the tagline, like in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah. Uh, so the tagline is, uh, well, I can't remember it now. Is it Alice oh, yeah. and Charles? John and Alice John are in love. Of. In love with the idea of John and Alice. There you go. Yeah. It's kind of sums That's up. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We liked it when we came up with that Yeah, one. yeah. And um, take the rest of the day off and do that. Yeah, that, was a, <laughs> that was a let's get ice cream moment. Yes. Um, and, uh, and the director came up with that as well. So he's very happy that he wrote oh, yes. the tagline. Um, you know, it's a good, it's a good contribution. Um, yeah. So it was that was it really. Let's let's put these people in a put these people in a situation and, and, and kind of put them through the ringer really. Yeah. And uh, I'd recently seen John Cassavetti's opening night which I hadn't seen before. It was the only one of his I hadn't seen, and it was, I saw it at a cinema in London, and it absolutely just kind of destroyed me, really. Yeah. It's just, it was so, oh, yeah. so raw and exhausting emotionally. And I just thought that's happened so rarely that, that, that you're put through the, you know, you're really put through the ringer by characters and by an experience anymore, you know, like that it's just about sitting in a messy, situation and that was kind of the driving force really let's let's create a messy film it is yeah and it is messy in a good way it doesn't look i mean it doesn't look micro budget at all it it, it looks very yeah. um competent that's a terrible word to use <laughs> i don't mean competent at all i just mean it looks really um it looks really together Thank so you. um yeah. yeah but it's the messiness you feel is supposed to be there it's not not messy stylistically um yeah a lot of the messiness is written in yeah so i'm, tr I'm struggling to say yeah, yes no. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I mean, the, the, going back to the budget thing as well, that's always really interesting because you just write. I know I found that just writing um, comedy for Greenman and stuff, and they, eventually the producer would come to me and go, "You know, you've written like so you have six different characters who come in and say one line, you never see them again. Like, could you maybe not do that? <laughs> because that just that's half our budget; it's just gone. <laughs> could you maybe give at least some of those lines to one person? And then we did. Uh, in fact, one of those lines ended up being Stephen Merchant. So I thought, well, that's all right. Yeah. We, can, we can get away with that. That's okay. He was very happy to come and do it at short notice, which was nice of him. Um, you know, my favourite thing other is um, 
So my friend James Moran, you know James Moran, he wrote uh, Cockneys vs Zombies. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Severance, which is a fantastic kind of comedy horror film. Yeah. His uh, his whole thing, which I agree with, which is don't. If you're writing a feature spec script, don't worry too much about the budget because you'll find out later on what you can and can't do and you can rewrite it yeah. uh, within reason. And also things you think will be expensive aren't because he found out that actually blowing up a car is not that expensive. Okay. Surprisingly. I mean, when you get to a certain level of budget, yeah, exactly. it's just one more thing. And so he's like, oh, he can just blow up as many cars. There's sequences of blowing up cars in all his films from now on, I think. But, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. I think... Um, yeah, there's a really paired. If it's a micro-budget thing, you have to be really, really careful. But I think it's, it's, it's always good to have those sort of boundaries and have to work within those boundaries. Yeah, so the challenge is became like, 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 what... There's a busy little dog running. Yeah. Very excited. No, I'm just going to close Yeah, so then it became about, okay, what, what, what could we do that would be that would be a challenge and a bit of a risk and make us really kind of focus on it rather than just we never really like to do the easy thing so you'll notice that a lot of it is outside yeah <laughs> yes um, a bold choice yeah a bold choice for april <laughs> in cornwall yeah jeez um and uh yeah kind of we left a couple of left a couple of spare days in the in the the 13 days that we had um for you know sort of rain, rain catch up oh yes which we, which we obviously used um and then writing wise i was like okay i'm going to do it with four 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 primary characters in in 10 scenes or sequences yeah. um and that's what i set out to write really was um and 60 pages as well i wanted to write 60 pages 10 sequences with four main characters um and then it became sort of the the two and then these two that come into this big middle sequence and then mostly disappear again so i had those kind of writing parameters to, to to structure my writing time because obviously i was working yeah at the uni and think okay well i you know i think this scene's about four or five pages you know and i think the first draft came in at 63 pages which i was very happy with um and i did all of it and there was two extra one extra scene with another character and uh, then just people dotting it, dotted about. But uh, yeah, it has got quite a loose, um, improv-y almost kind of feel. To some of those like overlapping thing, which I'm always yeah. a, always a fan of. That good. So it's not it's not staging, is what I'm, tr- I'm trying to say. Excellent. I really don't like. Actually, well, sometimes I, do. I mostly don't like films that you think this wouldn't this isn't this a play with a camera pointed at it? Yeah. Because that's a very good. very different thing. It doesn't it doesn't feel like that at all. Great. Yeah, and that was that was part of it as well. So as I was kind of writing the first draft, the jazz thing came in. Yeah. Um, we were sort of thinking about setting it in a period. It's set in, it's, it's not defined, but it's essentially the late 60s. Yeah. Um, Which period is like a terrifying thing for producers, or it can be. Yeah. Um, but it depends. If you're going to recreate the whole of like 60s Soho, then yes, it's going, <laughs> it's going to be a problem. But if you're, going, if you're coming and filming Cornwall, it hasn't changed that much, has it, really, since the 60s? Yeah, well, uh, the it, last so. two films I've made, one was the uh, late 1960s and one was the was 1890s, and I've not had to do too much work <laughs> right. on either score. So, uh, Thanks, Cornwall. Good yeah. work. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's choice um, in terms of like how, where we shot and how we shot it. But... It was actually much easier and there's there's a bit of vfx in there but yeah. um for a bit of masking of satellite dishes but very little yeah Just really we managed we got, we got quite lucky maybe down in west Pimwith, which was oh yes yeah good space for that mm, some quality sniffing going on there yeah by, by bailey i should say not not me yeah the first podcast i was sniffing the whole way through <laughs> i was like should i go and take these out is it more annoying for these weird gaps uh than, than just having me sniffing. I left the sniffs in. They're very it's, evocative, you know. You, it, you, I, well, I, I do like, like it. Yeah. Great this picture of, of, of the both of you in the uh, in these places. We are going through it. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's whoa. <laughs> nearly <laughs> nearly for Lobra though. Yeah, I'm. It's not as muddy here as it was last time. I'm hoping not to wipe out twice. It would seem fake if I wiped out again, wouldn't it? it would just see I was doing it for doing it for clicks. Come on. But I do. I mean, oh, this goes profound point. I do like a sort of messiness. Yeah, I, I, it's just I don't know. There's a sort of background messiness, and just you get that nice texture, and it's I just really like that. 
In fact, when I was doing this podcast, I talked to a friend, uh, Dave McGuire, does a very, he seems to feature in every one of these. <laughs> Dave McGuire, I asked, because he does a really good podcast about uh, tech copywriting. Hmm. And we had a coffee, a, dis- a socially distant coffee, that's how long when we started. And he gave me loads of advice about mixing desks, and uh, a friend who's a sound engineer, you can email it and what. And I sort of thought, oh, this all sounds really good. And then uh, I thought, or oh, I could just get a 15 quid microphone, stick it in my phone, <laughs> and not even, frankly, edit it very much. Yep. And to my amazement, it actually sounds like it's supposed to sound like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I said to you before, I, I really like your podcast. I like the way it's, I like its feel, and it's, all of that adds to it. You know, like if you're going for a walk and you're talking, and then the podcast edits out all of that stuff what's the point you know yes really you may as well be in a sort of studio in, yeah. in, in that case i think i was interested talking to um ed rowe yesterday who could king who's in um mark jenkins new film as well who's he in and bait obviously we were talking about because mark jenkins whole thing about uh what were those films of using a very old kind of camera and film mm. and then doing the dialogue separately doing it afterwards yeah and um but of course weirdly if you look at massive blockbuster films like uh, marvel movies Lord of the Rings, those films, they're all ADR anyway. Yeah. There's not a single line of dialogue in any of those films yep. that is as recorded at <laughs> the time. So it's really strange that they have, they have, they have a lot to talk about. They have a lot yes. in common. Well, but yeah. But, but, and one of the, we had a, a review from a festival which, you know, took umbrage with certain aspects of the film, including... This is know, Wilderness, sorry. Wilderness, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Including the use of ADR. And that, oh, right. that was upsetting because there's no ADR in the film at all. It's all location uh, sound. Yeah. Didn't sound like, yeah. No. Well, it's hard to tell, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. It, it has that very that slightly grainy, lovely feel. Oh, that's, that must be... What's the, what's the process like? Um, I'm sort of skipping ahead here. When you've made your film yep. and it's locked and it's all done, and then what's the process like of going to... You, you take it to festivals and let it sort of slowly build word of mouth? Is that how it... That's... Yeah, that's... Ideally, or...? Ideally, yeah. So we... We finished the film in 2016, late 2016, and then it went on tour from sort of March 2017. It premiered in San Jose at the CineQuest Festival, which is a really good indie festival. It's kind of the, the second rung, you know, yeah. so you've got your Sundance and your, um, yeah, and yeah, I guess Toronto maybe, but certainly Sundance at the top, and then sort of CineQuest is on that second rung. And then, then, that, then that, and we had a really good festival run. We sort of played a lot of places, um, we won a lot of awards, which was really nice and really oh, lovely. Sort of good. Cat uh, uh, won Best Actress twice for her performance. Oh, excellent. Um, Deserved. Thank you. I'll pass it on. Pass it um, on, yeah. And uh, I was actually at a film festival, the Southampton Film Festival, where I collected on her behalf, and they let Bailey into the party. Oh. So, because we were staying in the hotel where the, the thing was, and uh, yeah, he was up in the room, and they were like, bring him down. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, Again, that's... he stole the show. Of course. Um, yeah, so... The, and then it was it's kind of consolidating the run really and we we were very pleased with the festival run we played some really good festivals some really nice festivals and then through other contacts and doing other things someone saw it and was like maybe you could sell this and I was like mm, never really expected to get it this far yeah um, so the ambition is not well not the ambition but you're not making it from thinking I'm going to make some cash at the far end of this it's yeah. not indie film is never the I mean, yeah there are a lot of people like that but they, i mean can you tell them you, you do <laughs> you can like with students really they kind of have to go through it themselves yeah because they they just think oh i'll be different and it'll work for me and we never made any shorts to make any cash I and mean, this was made to see if we could make it and we made it like i say through the through the university so yeah it was kind of protected from needing to be sold you know because you know, there were there was four professionals on the set, and then the rest of the crew were students. Yeah, so no one had maxed out their credit card. Exactly, making you know, this, which is it nice. It was about yeah. a learning experience for everyone. Yeah, and the fact that it then was finished and was all right. <laughs> you know, people were pleased with it. Yeah, liked what it was, and then it went and did well at festivals. And then someone said, maybe you could. T-. At every stage, it was kind of exceeding what our expectations were, and we are kind of protected from that by having jobs outside of it you know being yeah. involved with film and, and, and stuff but not we're not out there needing it to 
to pay the rent. You know, that's very fortunate. But so, you do hear about people who make their first sort of even micro budget features and they do max out their credit cards and they just, you know, they live it for six months. Yeah. And you come out the other end and go, oh God, <laughs> oh, what do I do now? I've lost my house. Yeah. You know, so and it's just a balance. Yeah, there's enough of those that, 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 that get bought that keeps it this realistic. Yeah. But they, you know, the, the bankruptcies and depressions vastly outweigh the. Yeah. The indie spirit. Well, so I think there's a little bit of a thing with that with scripts, spec scripts as well, where you invest far less, like financially, you just yeah. invest your time and effort. But there is, you have to go to that phase, I think, when you start out of seeing, um, seeing a script as a lottery ticket. And you think, this is the one, this is going to, you know, someone will pick this up and I'll make a lot of money. Yeah. I'm in. It's like, it, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work like that, sadly. No. I mean, I suppose it you know, might be like three or four people, okay, you know, every five years. But I think although that age has passed, really. That kind of thing where you it's a different world, but the thing where you sell a spec script for like two million. Yeah. That's just the that's Shane just Black gone. Days are the Shane Black days are very yes, he said. <laughs> he can't quite believe they happened in the first place. But uh yeah. But it's interesting though, because I I'm sort of I listen to the um well your podcast and the Mark Kermo podcast the um you know, Mayo and Kermo and you you're aware that there is this whole ecosystem of kind of very indie films. Yeah. Which I've never really been part of because I I'm a television and a writer and hmm. The spec scripts I've written would all cost at least eighty million dollars to make. Yeah, because I like big, I like just great big visual things. Uh, but yeah, but it's always fascinating. There's there's a sort of ecosystem going on, and really interesting people come out of it, and some interesting stuff gets done. I, thought, I know almost nothing about it at all. So yeah, it's 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 a weird, it's a weird space. Yeah, and, you know, it's not. I think the, the money thing is interesting and important because it's not a sustainable space. No. You know, and he, you know, the, the film is inspired by Cassavetes and his life story is kind of proof, really, that you can't... You know, he was, he was a filmmaker who was not really recognised in his time anyway, but yeah. it was financially not viable for him to, to yeah. work in that mode. He had to go off and make... He was an actor, obviously, you know, amazing actor. Um, made a lot of work that he hated making. Yeah. Um, but he did it to fund these projects you know there's not a and you know you, you count on all the hands in the world the amount of people who've made a, a couple of indie features and then stepped up into a you know the hollywood or even sort of the low end of hollywood you know sort of the indie wood realm because that's that's where a little bit more stability is and yeah the compromise is also kind of necessary because you can't keep doing it over and over again and i think that there's you know the choices that we made to make indie films were deliberate and knowing, knowing that actually we like this space and we don't we don't want to be on that. We don't want to use it to get to a conveyor belt. Yeah. Obviously, obviously we'd love to make films we're in control of and make a load of features, but we like other stuff too much and we also want to make the films that we want to make. Yes. Um, you know, and that can sometimes sound a bit grandiose and if say, well, just saying that because it's too hard or you, you know but there were there were sort of conscious moments where we thought just don't i don't want to be a writer for hire you yeah. know like and there's nothing disparaging about that i love that world you yeah know? it's just i like the collaboration with justin and like the fact that when we were starting out we'd make a film then we'd do something else you know that was very attractive yeah to us. there is something in having that kind of freedom yeah to do it and there's, and there's no the, money in that either as well. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. There's much, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, the, if you're a writer for hire in this country, you're really good. I mean, yeah. there's, there's um, friends of mine who've got CVs who are... Uh, if you look, look at the stuff they've written for, and it's all... It's, uh, I'm not going to name them because it'll work out, but it's all kind of very kind of BBC drama stuff. Yeah. And you think, oh, I've got no idea what... If you could write anything you wanted, I have no idea what you'd write. Because... You've, you've written like five episodes of each of these major TV dramas, but I want—I you know, really want them to go, take a year out and write the thing that you really want yeah. to write. But uh, the thing is, you don't get to write those things unless you're really good at what you're doing. Yeah, as well, which is you know. And yeah, I think and when you—it's rarefied air, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's funny going back to what you said about the indie. Um, I think Mike Myers, of all people, um, is a massive kind of indie film fan. Yep. And he—he's kind of—he's always had that kind of go quietly going on in the background. Which I think is, is kind of lovely. Oh, there's a very muddy field now. I'm going to go around the enormous patch of mud. Yeah, and he, I think he's certainly a filmmaker who's one of those filmmakers who's managed to carry over that ramshackle, anarchic sensibility from indie film into yeah. most of what he's done. You know, um, 
which which I think is great, you know, and I think that there are so many examples of that where it's worked, but yeah, he's, yeah, underrated, I think, in that sense. Yeah. Not, not working enough, for my life. No, he's, uh, yes, I want him to be back in more things. Yeah. He keeps seeing slightly distracting cameos and things, doesn't he? <laughs> where you go, oh, he's my eyes, you get excited, you go, oh, no, he's being good, it's a serious cameo. And you think, oh, yeah. kind of, kind of want him to just shout something of Dr. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad of me, not of him. It's, oh, I'm pathetic. No, from uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Which is one of I, I love I Married. It's weird, isn't it? So I Married an Axe Murderer. That has a sort of slightly weird indie vibe. Yeah, but also, he's so obnoxious in the very opening scene. He's such an ass, And you think, oh, what a wanker. I don't really want to. And after that, he's just kind of lovely. Yeah. And you think, I'm not sure if that's deliberate or like a misstep or something. But it's one of those films where you just find yourself, yeah, you, you find someone else who knows it and they'll just, they'll just be quoting at it, quoting yep. it to each other. I used to win DJ sets, go back to DJing with um, uh, the Harriet, the poem. Oh yes. Harriet, Harriet. Hard-hearted, the hard-hearted harbinger of haggis. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Sputnik bit which always gets me. <laughs> Sputnik! He'll be crying himself to sleep tonight <laughs> on this huge pillow. Uh, right, we're back. We're back. We're back. So, yeah, on the way back, so we've been to Milo, where everything was closed. When I walk back to Flushing, where everything is closed. But you know, but it's still a nice walk. It's a lovely walk. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah, so um, we can talk a, bit, a little bit more about the sort of semi improv kind of nature about it. I think that was, that was really interesting about Wilderness. Cool. Is it had this, that sort of overlapping kind of thing, which I, I absolutely love. So what was the process of that? So the, it comes out of the fact that we love actors, you know, so... I wrote, yeah, sort of 63 page script. Purposely stopped a lot of the scenes before explaining anything. Mm -hmm. You know, so leaving it where you might then have a, a resolution of the emotion that's kind of been played out, you know, kind of purposely stopped trying to explain things, left yeah. it quite short. Um, and similarly, tried to have as much of the dialogue as possible sayable two or three ways. like. You know, the same lines could be said with different intonations or different, you know, different circumstances and, and, and be read quite differently. So that the actors, the actors could bring themselves to it. Um, so lots of versions of each, lots of takes on each scene or? Not so much because of the time, again. Yeah. You, Bailey, stay. Bailey. A small dog has been spotted. So Bailey's being restrained. Oh yeah. He's very nervous, so I just like to keep him. Good lad. Oh, good boy, Bailey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you didn't have? Did you, actually, did you have rehearsals? Many rehearsals for it? Not so much. We we did we scheduled in a bit of rehearsal time, but then we we cast these two actors, and we just loved them so much, and their their sort of take and what they wanted to do was to kind of keep it keep it as fresh as possible you know that yeah there was the sense that if we go over these lines and we work out too firmly in advance how they feel about each other that you know yeah you're not really exploring it while you're doing it yeah I guess That's... and you know the question they kept asking was you know do you think they're together at the end and I was like I genuinely don't know because I've I stopped myself trying to write it so that it, it could go either way or even how I felt about it so they really, and they, that quite excited them. They wanted to explore that. So, well, they get to make a choice, I think, which actors love that. They do, They love yeah. that shit. They do. <laughs> they have to make a choice, but that's right. And I, what I like is actors making a choice. Uh, they know, they know what's going on, but, but you, you, know, you might not by the end of the film. Yeah. Kind of, that's really interesting, I think. And we did a day, when we cast it, we sort of booked a, a studio, it was the actors, or the, uh, the drama studio in Camden, no. Kind of, oh, just off, just off Covent Garden. Oh yeah, um, just like a, a theatre space, uh, and we, we, we booked it so that we were casting pairs. Yeah. Know? So we would cast. Get this sloshy oh, mud. Oh, craggy Bailey. Mud dog. <laughs> so how many days did you? I'm sort of interested in the nuts and bolts stuff now. How many days did you book for this for the rehearsals? We just booked a day. A day. Okay. And then the plan was kind of book it. Again, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. You, you know what you want, 
we had money we had you know we could pay a fee and cover all expenses and, yeah but it's not you know it's not a huge amount um and you, you kind of know what you want and then you want to get them in the room so we would cast john and alice were the main characters so we would do a scene with you know an actor and an actress and then we would bring in two other actors to play uh, francis and charlie this kind of dinner party sequence that sort of takes up a lot of space in the middle and then then and then those that John and Francis would be, we'd, we'd try them out as, as sort of, you know, Francis and Charlie would try them out, as, yeah. you know, as, as John and Alice, and then we kept that doing all all day. Um, and who's present on the crew side? Who's present? For, who gets most use of? Obviously, the director and me, me and the director yeah. at that stage because we're producing it as well. So, and it's it's always that. And then we did have we have a friend of ours who doesn't really have a title, um, works a lot with actors. He's got a kind of a theatre background. Okay. Um, he just, we just like having around for those scenes. He just, he's just good in a room. Yeah. He's good with people. He's very excited, enthusiastic, very honest. So it kind of creates this energy where you just, you just start having a conversation. And because we were casting actors who were doing auditions all the time, like we got the nicest response from them afterwards. People we didn't cast who were like, yeah, that was the best day of work I've had in ages. Because you, you're putting them to work, you're making them do to, to, and you're yeah. really directing them. You're sort of stretching them. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing what what can happen and then we we really like James um, he was kind of our number one choice we didn't really have anyone else that close to to him so it's kind of all eggs in one basket and then and he turned up just after lunch and we'd already we'd already had someone who we thought we, we like as Alice we're like we, we're happy with that if that's the decision that's good and then we were kind of hoping James would be good and he was brilliant so it was like okay yeah and then Kat was the last of the day, so she came in and James had done a couple of reads with a couple of actresses and was really good each time. Um, but they'd played it quite similar and yeah, and then Kat came in last and we weren't we were kind of fine. We thought, okay, well, whatever happens here, we've got an Alice and a, and a John that we like. And she just she just kind of blew the doors off, you know. She was so good, but she, and she was so different. Yeah. And she just put James on the back foot. He did not yes. know. And <laughs> you we get did, that in the film, I yeah. Think. And we did the scene in the film. There's a scene after after they come back from dinner. Yeah. And uh, things have kind of gone awry a little bit, and they're kind of working through stuff. And the way she played that, he just was like, "I've literally no idea how you're feeling right now." Yeah. It, it was just amazing. So we knew then. Okay, these. These are the two because they will, they'll kind of go toe to toe. Um, and he did lots of interesting things. That, you know, just thought were unexpected, you know, in his performance, like he plays it quite sad and quite pathetic and quite yeah. vulnerable in ways that, you know, were just unexpected for an actor, you know, lead role to, to be willing to go. But th that's the thing is they spent time together and they, they felt they just tried to play it true based on their own experience of relationships and yeah yeah so a lot of the improv is not necessarily dialogue it is there's a lot of kind of playing out of time and being in the same space and then sharing space and working out how they feel which at the start of the film is very lovely and very intimate and very physical and then becomes a lot more charged as we go through so yeah that does seem to be more of a, a, also a British actor thing mm. is that uh Whereas American actors will just sort of always like throw out the dialogue and do their own. This is a terrible, terrible generalisation. Whereas you get some British actors, got more stage training, the dialogue's there, and then the improv will be all sort of around it. Yeah. And that's really, it's quite interesting. And it was nice that they liked the roles, you know. They both, yeah. They, you know, as, as independent actors. Yes. As independent actors, they liked the depth of the character, they liked the work they were being asked to do. The amount they were bringing themselves to it, and yeah, just the they like the messiness of it, you know. That, yeah, and that I wouldn't say, you know, that, that it was supposed to be any way because you know, a lot of it comes from personal feelings and experience. Justin, who directed it, with that kind of overlapping style, particularly in the middle, you know, and the again, the kind of messiness of the film that's he's interested in that, and also that kind of represents how he feels about that kind of stuff and then they brought themselves to it as well so it was it was a really rewarding creative experience being in that in that space with them you know just 
watching them work. I think they're brilliant actors. They are good. It's, yeah, it's, it's like watching two people feeling out a relationship yeah. as it goes on and trying to work out the boundaries themselves. And you're going, oh, I'm not sure I've seen, really seen this much before, which is, which is lovely. So, on the more, on a, so if you're starting out, and maybe if you're a scriptwriter, say, for yeah. example, and you've got like a short or something, and you just say, well, how practical is it? So like, I'm going to go and make this myself. Or I'm going to make even something like two minutes long or something. How is it just a case of like, right, I'm going to do this on my iPhone and we've got something? Or, or what are the sort of gradations of it? Um, well, there is that, there is that gradation of, um, uh, yeah, like I've, I've got this idea. It's kind of a sketch or it's a yeah, kind of punchline based short. I got a phone, you know. I can I can go on, I can go on Amazon and get a kind of clip-on mic. Yeah. You know, um, I've got two friends who aren't terrible on camera. <laughs> yes. Um, let's go and see and do it. See if you know, th there is that, and you know, there's a lot of festivals that take really short work, you know, and it's a, it's a every every time you make a film, you learn so much about it, um, how hard it is, how long it takes, how difficult it is, you know, and I think that particularly if you're a if you're a writer who wants to make stuff, you know, as in you want to make the stuff, yeah. I think it's really important to go out and do it because it's, you learn so much about, yeah, kind of the practicalities, but you also learn like what, what is it in this story that you, that you want to say, you know, because, and I think this is where sort of becoming a producer has really helped because as a writer, I, even on a low budget, there's a lot of stuff I, I want in there. And then the process of making it tells you you can't have it. Yeah. You know, like it does at every level. It's not necessarily someone else, like a, it's not an executive or even a director saying, you can't do this. It's, it's, it's the, 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 the facts. We don't yeah. have that much time. We don't have that much money. We've now lost this location. This actor can't do it. So you're constantly compromising your, you know, so like, well, what, what can't I lose? From this you yeah know. it's really interesting as well and some i always find uh, sitting in the edit it's just i think i've talked about this before but if you sit on the edit especially with the comedy it's amazing how much stuff you were so committed to in the script and then when you watch it you go oh yeah we don't need it it's not it's not good because sometimes actors will you know do a great job go, yeah but we just don't need it. it's a beat yeah. but thinking about it we've already just seen or uh there's a, a saying putting a hat on a hat yeah. where you do a joke and you do and do the sort of almost the same joke again yeah and you think oh, it just, it just actually doesn't need that at all do you, uh, were you involved in the edit, I guess? Not really, no. I mean, ah. I saw a, I saw the cut with... Um, I've never really been involved in the edit, which is fine by me. Um, I've always been very happy that, that Justin directed and I wanted to direct. Um, I think he does a great job. He shot this as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, kind of co-edited it pretty much with our, with our editor, Stephen. Um, yeah, and I was happy to see it. And then... And it was weird. The first time I saw it, it was kind of underwhelming in a in a weird way yeah i didn't really know what to say and justin sort of picked up on that and we sort of talked about it after so he was like did you like it and it's like it's such it felt like such a big thing that i've been working my my entire kind of creative life towards making a feature film yeah but when i saw it I, I didn't know what to think about it i was just like i can't believe it exists so i, I had no crit critical capacity and it took me two or three watches over the next couple of weeks to yeah. start to to start to kind of go back to work on it, I was just like, I can't believe we've made a feature film. It and is an odd experience seeing a thing that you, because I always think, because I always hear the scripts more than sort of see them. Yeah, you said that. So, yeah, yeah. so when it, I was like, oh, I wouldn't have said like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the rhythm that joke all wrong. So, no, they haven't. They've done it really well in a different way. And you just have to sort of, yeah, like you said, you have to see it, see it two or three times, I think, sometimes. So just yeah. sort of adjust your brain to, okay, this is the, uh, this is the thing, not the version in my head. This is the actual thing that I'm now watching. I think also as well that, you know, even at the level that I, I've been making films, you know, there's, there's always so many things that can stop it going into production yeah. and stop it getting finished. It's like, you have to kind of lose that preciousness quite early because it's like, you know, I just think it's even worse when you're standing in your own way at that level yeah. and you're not letting things go out into the world. It's, I want it out. I was just getting something finished. It's so, yeah. it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that just to go back to the gradation thing, I think yeah. that... That, you know, and I teach I teach screenwriting and I teach production, and there's there is a conception which even with sort of eighteen year old film students when they come in like of, of how a film gets made. Yeah, and it's like yeah that that is how they make Bond, 
So what's you know, they, well, as in there's, there's got to be tons of people. Tons and... of people, tons of crew, tons of equipment. Yeah. You know, I need this camera, I need these lenses. I can't do it without it. Like this film is, and it's like, that's, that's not how those films get made anyway, really. You know, like most EPs would, would not have the same opinion about the camera that kind of DP students do. Yeah. Because they understand budget and they understand, you know, the, uh, oh, is that an owl? Oh, is an owl. First time on the podcast. Nice. Love it. Um, yeah, you know, so it's trying to sort of, it's trying to sort of let people know actually that there's, there's a billion ways to make a film. There's no right or wrong way. And you can, you can sort of do something else to save money and cobble together some time and some willing people and make something that's really interesting and looks good. You know, it's always nice when people say that Wilderness doesn't look like a micro-budget film because it's deliberate, you know? It's like yeah. we, you, we wanted it to look grand and intimate. You know, we had visual styles that we were thinking about, you know, films as references and, you know, you're, you're trying to be as... You're trying to push what you can do and just because you haven't got a lot of money or a lot of time doesn't mean you can't be creative with it and that's learned, yeah. you know? But the first film we made was a 20-minute... 1950s B movie called They Came for a Day, you know, which which we built our own sets, and you know it was a big cast. Yeah, shot a lot of locations, had kind of rudimentary Ed Wood uh, effects, you know, and it went on to play a, a few festivals, including the London London Sci-Fi Film Festival before Plan Nine from Outer Space. Like, oh, nice! It was a dream come true. Oh, that's that, superb. Yeah, that was the first one, you know. Yeah, which taught us so much. But it was like, well, did you we, do it like that because you thought it had to be like that, or that's just how you wanted it to? Yeah, that's, that's how it came out. That's how we wanted it to be. Yeah. They were the first movies that we bonded over. You know, when we met each other at, at Little Sixth Form College, when we were sort of talking, it was around when Ed Wood came out, and we both loved Ed Wood. I love Ed Wood, yeah. Which is, and it was like, you know, because I love these movies, and I love Buck Rogers, you know, and I love Ray Harryhausen. And it was that we just, that, that, that was, they were the films that we remembered watching with our dads, like old serials on Saturday morning. So it was like, well, let's, can you write one? And I was like, I don't know. Bailey. Well, I was watching, um, what's the Coen Brothers? I'm so bad at names, I'm doing The Coen Brothers thing on Netflix, uh, Buster. Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs and the whole singing cowboy yeah. thing. And I was vaguely aware that singing cowboys was the genre. <laughs> so I had to watch it. I went on YouTube and it's not only singing cowboys. They were singing cowboy science fiction serials. Amazing. Which are incredible. Yep. Just singing cowboys, finding underground worlds. Locked away, uh, controlled by robots. It was completely bonkers. I, but I thought this is like genres of subgenres that I've never even heard of before. That's just superb. So what, uh, that's quite interesting actually. So do you, how long have you been doing film lecturing now? Uh, I started teaching, t- teaching sort of media, which included screenwriting in yeah, sort of 2010 really. I've okay. been doing sort of film education projects. We did a lot of summer schools. We did a lot of work in the community, sort of making films with young people and with sort of, yeah, sort of community groups. We've done that probably, yeah, we sort of started doing it sort of 2004, 2005, once our company was up and running as a way of, yeah, making money and funding projects, you know. Have you, have you noticed that as students, as like 18 year olds, yeah. have their assumptions changed much in the last 10 years? Uh, not really, no. Thinking in, yeah. No, they don't, I think, you know, we sort of mentioned this just off off mic. Yep. But you know, that they're working with Mark Jenkin in the school, there's been a there has been a shift, you know, and that there is has been a cultural shift around bait in terms of being more experimental, shooting on film, you know, using a smaller using a smaller crew, being more kind of community minded as a as a group of people, you know. Yeah. I love I love Mark because he has the same thinking as we do it's kind of getting the band back together it's a rep it's a rep company of yeah of craftspeople that you bring in you know that you trust them you know they know you you know them everyone's on the same page working towards the same thing and that's that's really vital at, at that level um and that's more of a film thing and a television thing as well which is interesting i always think so yeah. usually because i've been working the same people green wing kind of people on and off for oh god 15 maybe 15 16 years at least and talking to friends who write drama, it's, that's really unusual because you, you sort of get together a group of people to make a TV show and then it's gone and you yeah. get together a completely different group of people. I mean, you might, there might be some people come and go, but it's not, film is much more kind of, uh, there's a gang of you. There's something very attractive about that, I think. Yeah. 
yeah, we, yeah, we, and we've got a nice little gang, you know. Yeah. Like I sort of said about that, you know, that person who hasn't really got a job title um, in the in the pre-production process. You know, there's there's a couple of those in production as well. You know, there's someone who comes down and drives a van and cooks. Yeah, and it's basically just around because you're like, I need this thing, and they're like, yeah, God knows what mean. what their job is, but they provide something absolutely essential. Exactly. Yeah. You know, on the credits, I think it's I can't remember what he's, he's listed as. You know, but it's we can't do it without those people. Um, um, yeah, that's 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 just how we like to make films. You know, we like yeah. it because it's it's hard, but it's fun then because you're with people that are sharing that that journey with you, which is nice. So, what's the time scale for if you had say a ten minute script? Yeah. And you thought I want to really go into it and make this as a as a short. Yeah. And enter it into a festival. Mm -hmm. What's the kind of time scale on that from from not counting writing the script because God knows how long that takes. But you've got a finished script, you're more or less happy with it. It'll change yeah. obviously. But how long does it take and how much does it take to turn that into a short film? Um, so, well, I guess if I if I use the example of um, It's Natural to be Afraid, which was the short, which is about 10 minutes, you know, that was an idea that was written for something else, like someone else had this thing, this kind of, um, they were trying to start a collective and, you know, they, want, they sort of called for scripts and things and, yeah. you know, let, it was a let's, let's make a collective of people and go and make stuff. And I hadn't written anything in a while and I thought, okay, I'll try and write something for that. And that never really came off. And then the, the script sort of sat there and it's like, I really like this script. <laughs> um, I still, it's when a year later you go, oh, I still like it. Yeah. It's almost quite surprising, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I, I did that with like a feature that. last summer when I hadn't read, it was about 60% about done. And I never worked out the end, so I kind of just put it in a drawer. And it's been there for about six years. And then when I pulled it out, I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, actually, though, this is, I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. to work, work on this again. It's nice getting that second wind with something. Yeah. But yeah, so that one you, you thought, oh, I still like this. This is still yeah. got some weight to it. Hang on. Oh, yeah, go on. The dog is escaping from us. Okay. Calm down, baby. Come on. Yeah, so then it was like, okay, what can, you know, let, let's try and make it, you know, and it's kind of like, well, what, what do we need? Well, we need some money. Um, and then, so we just looked at grants and we, because we've been sort of making films with the community and all of the films we've made have had a sort of work experience element on it where we've been sort of training and providing internships for um, local young people who wanted to get into film. Yeah. We just looked at, we looked at grants, so we looked at the awards for all grant, and it was like ten thousand pounds, and uh, you know we did it as a as a training project. That's how we build it. Okay. That's what it was. You know that that it would it would provide you know working yeah um, opportunities for when we got that money, and that was okay. That's the budget. So. It was a £10,000 short, which is the most we'd ever had, because yeah. everything else was kind of cobbled together. Are these essentially regional grants? These, um... Awards for All was a national lottery grant for kind of community projects. Okay. You know, and I think that, again, one of the things about indie film is that there's, there's lots of money in different places. It just depends how you frame it. And we always framed our work as projects, you know, whether it was a yeah. film festival. It wasn't a film festival. It was a project that could do these things. And you can tap into little bits of money as long as you happy to do all the reporting and sometimes it's a bit arduous but it's worth it to get the money to do the thing that you want to do and yeah it's again it's not necessarily going to the bfi and saying it's it's finding other ways and that was that was just the way we did that one there's a lot of form filling there's a lot of form filling but that was our that was our day job you know yeah. so if you can spend your day job filling in a form to, to then get the money to go and make a short film that's uh it, it felt like you know that'll, that'll be a good couple of days yeah work you know um, most of the grants you don't get anyway, so it was a bit of a punt, um, and we got it. So, and then it's like, okay, we've got £10,000, what do we, you know, then you break down the script to what you ideally want to do, and what we always found was we could make the money go further if we shot faster, you know, so we shot that in two and a half days, I think. Yeah. Quite a few locations, you know, but again, uh, two main actors, and well, three main actors, I should say. You know, um, young a young lad, and uh, and his sort of group of friends who were just his group of friends who were, you know, you're kind of taking a risk. Are they going to be any good? But they were great on camera. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I think to some degree it does help with hey. uh, younger generations of, of people now who are 
much more familiar with cameras being around. Yeah. You know, it definitely helped them. They just acted like they acted and were happy to just be filmed, really. Um, you know, they'll come down for they'll come down for two hours. You give them a quick briefing. You just start shooting. You know, and then get on with it. You get on with it. You know, yeah. and then they go and they've been in a film and there's lots of stuff like that. That, but you have to be prepared. You know, and you have to you have to be quite militant about it in terms of making sure you're you're getting through what you need to get through. Um, there's not a lot of room for error, but you can push things extra. You get to, you know, giving the actors more money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is always the place we'd rather put, you know, we'd, we'd want to put it because better paid actors give better performances. Yeah. You know, and just actors who feel valued, just a, a bit more invested in the process when you're loading them into a car and driving around Luton saying get out here and <laughs> say this line yeah. I mean, it's like it's the least you can do is pay them exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. feed them well and yeah you know, so yeah so and then it's like you know the, the good thing about that grant which has kind of taught me a lot was that we had to kind of build in which we'd always tried to do with our budgets but it was kind of explicit here was build in communicating the project you know so our yeah. communication the project was festivals so We'd only really had about £8,000 to shoot the thing. If I remember right, just in listening to this, it'd be like, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you you wish. Know, essentially, most of the, a lot of the money went on the production, but then stuff was held back for, for burning DVDs and festival entries. Ah, uh, okay. Because, you know, you had to show that the work that the, had been done was getting out there. So yeah, it's not just, we're going to have fun with cameras exactly. and that's the end of it. It's like, no, no, it's for a thing and, yeah. and see it through professionally. And that was a film that, you know, had it was it was an evolution from the 50s b movies you know we, we sort of made a we made a couple of genre we made three genre movies two of which i'm very proud of one we'll never see the light of day <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons not a bad ratio um yeah and, and the, the, so we did this kind of 50s b movie we did this 60s french crime thriller like in the style of jean pierre melville very pretentious absolutely um, with a sugar ross soundtrack and uh the um and then it was like, okay, let's, you know, you realise after you're making a few films and some of them are doing well and some of them aren't and it's always hard. It's like, what, what, what kind of films do we want to make? If we're making a film every few years, what's it going to be? So we sort of did that as our final short, yeah. but, but more as a, as a kind of indicator of what the trajectory was, which is why we changed the name. And then, and that film did really well at festivals. It played a lot of good festivals, won a lot of, uh, won a lot of awards and, you know, that's great. Is that the H.P. Lovecraft? No, so ah, the, the H.P. Lovecraft is something I've, I wrote and produced for director Ryan McFall, um, which was the first, well, the second film, only the second film I'd made for a different director, um, and uh, that was that was shot that a couple of years ago, and that's out soon. But oh, it's, wow. it's been playing festivals and doing really really well. Oh, cool. Um, had some good news this yeah, week. It's got a great trailer. Thank you. And what's it called? It's called Backwards. Backwards. And, and it's the trailer. based on the picture in the house. Oh yes. By, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, that was fun adapting. Adapting Lovecraft was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Did you get to use the word squamous at any point? I didn't. No, it's not a, a. It's not a Cthulhu oh, okay. tale. It's because we, you know, we could find a place that looked like 1890s Boston in Cornwall, but we couldn't necessarily <laughs> conjure a giant sea demon or a, Yes. You know, um, so we, we picked one where, it was, again, it was just two people essentially in a house um, pushing the boundaries of what that could be. So, yeah, and that did really well at festivals as well. So, you know, the, also the other thing as well to say about It's Natural to Be Afraid was it was under 10 minutes. Yeah. So having run a film festival and made films that were, were longer and sort of, you realise actually, when I say this to students all the time, when they're like, why is it a 10 minute limit on the films we make? It's like, because you stand an exponent well not exponentially because I know people don't like that word it's not really true but a much higher a much higher chance of getting serious traction at festivals if you're under 10 minutes because a festival program might be an hour or 90 minutes so if you're under 10 you can get more films it's just it's, yeah. a, it's an economic thing as much as anything else and you get a range of films which are going to hit with an audience more if you're 20 minutes above you're taking up a third or a fifth of a program and you know, you learn those lessons the hard way. So when we when we made it naturally very like it's got to be under ten minutes. Um, I think it's just around ten minutes, and it, it, it just did it did so much better. And it's a better film, but it also is more attractive to 
to festival programmers, which I feel like all films should be either nine minutes or ninety minutes. Yeah, we and there shouldn't we, be anything. Yeah, we love an eighty-eight minute movie. Yeah, I think Wilderness is eighty-four, so we, we're, we're close. But um, yeah, there's 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 very there's much more of a case for a ninety-minute movie than a, than not. I'm yeah. This is where all the listeners go. What about you? Like this film? <laughs> but the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's great. Sure. sure. <laughs> no, they're a Aliens. That's that's a longer film. One. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you can do that. Those, it's one of those things that that is immediately disproven as soon as you say. It. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But um, it stands true for the moment. Of my film's 84 minutes, so it's obviously a proof. It's obviously the right thing. Um, yeah. But it might depend where you when you grow up, because I think all the formative films that I grew up in the 80s were like, I don't know, Ghostbusters and yeah. uh, Die Hard, all these films that are, I mean, they are just, they're one idea, they're poof, 90 minutes and they're done. Yeah. So I kind of, I, it's, it's become set in my mind that's what a film should be like, purely because that's the age I grew up and those are the formative films I've seen. You know. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and having children certainly changed that for me as well in terms of get to the end of the day, stay up and watch a movie, like, am I going to put something on that's 90, you know, could squeeze a 90-minute movie and probably yes. falling asleep. So I'm always drawn to older, shorter movies now. Yes. For those reasons, because it's like... I'm not going to outstay their... Yeah, they won't outstay their welcome. Yeah. Well, when... Um, so Wilderness is coming out April 5th. It is. And um, where is it to be uh, on demand? So where will it be viewable? It, it will be viewable on Apple, Amazon, Ooh. Sky Store, BT... And Google Play to start with. Oh wow! Virgin to follow. Yeah, it's oh, it's, you know. it's picked up by Sparky Pictures, who released the last Terry Gilliam film. Fantastic! I'm, you know, very nice to be associated with. Oh, that's Gilliam. very good. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's coming out wherever wherever you get your movies. Superb. Well, um, best of luck with that. Thank you. And uh, it's been very nice talking to you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Now I just have to work out how to turn this off. Still can't do it. <laughs> How does it? Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs>